BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. everyone. Welcome to Dishing with Digest. I'm Stephanie Sloan, Editorial Director, here with Mara Levinsky, Senior Editor. Hi, everyone. Well, Mara, we have some big casting news out of General Hospital. Cameron Matheson, who played Ryan Lavery on All My Children and has become an Entertainment Tonight host and Hallmark fixture since, will be heading to Port Charles a little later this year. So the show is keeping mom about who he will play, so we'll have to wait to hear about that. Um, I would personally love to see him cross over as Ryan. I mean, we really haven't seen anyone from Pine Valley do that since all my children went off the air, but you know, I really do doubt the show will go in that direction. I mean, there is that primetime reboot from Kelly Ripa and Mark Consuelos coming, so it's not like we won't be seeing those familiar faces, but I just feel that crossovers have been so one life heavy. It would be nice for like all my children to get the same ABC love. Um, But you know, what's so crazy is that One Life and All My Children were canceled 10 years ago this month. And just thinking about that is really mind boggling. Yeah, that's sort of a devastating milestone to me. You know, I can remember where I was standing and where you were standing when we got the news. You know, um, I, I covered All My Children for the magazine for many years and I had so many close ties to the cast. It, it, it was like a really painful time for me and also for just for people who would love soaps in general, you know, um, it's been nice to see people, uh, super talented people at that, like, uh, Torsten Kay and Michael Knight and Melissa Claire Egan from All My Children find new daytime homes. And, you know, while so much uh, about Cameron coming to GH is currently shrouded in mystery, this much I can say with certainty. He is one of the most genuinely kind and lovely people in the business. And with all of his success, he has always celebrated his soap roots and been a champion for the genre. So on a personal level, I'm happy to have him back in the fold. Um, And I'm just remembering that not only was he always so game to do whatever we needed for an assignment, but his wife once walked to our office to hand deliver personal photos from a Halloween party that they threw with a bunch of people from the show in attendance so that we could run them in the magazine. So shout out to you, Vanessa Matheson, as well. <laughs> I mean, that is definitely true. He is just such a genuinely good guy and has maintained you know, such a positive attitude despite some incredibly challenging life struggles. Mm-hmm. You know, it's really impressive. But regarding those cancellations. I mean, yeah, I absolutely remember where we were and truly having a feeling, if I'm being honest, of, you know, can the magazine survive with only four shows? You know, and I think it's such a testament to this business and the fans that we have who read the magazine. I mean, the history of the genre is so special to those who have watched it through the years. And I feel like the fact that you and I are able to write about shows from the past and catch up with beloved stars who made an impact also goes a long way in why people are still so connected to it. 
I mean, I am super interested to see what people are up to. I love our historical sections where we get to reminisce about moments or storylines that once meant so much. And, you know, it amazes me how much material there truly is to mine from like, you know, all the decades soaps have been on the air. Yes, absolutely. You know, I, I feel like we are all part of this exclusive club. You know, those of us whose jobs relate to daytime TV and those who are fans of it. And we don't want to give up our membership just because there are only four shows left. You know, we want to rally behind those four shows and support them and lift them up. But we also want to keep the ones that are no longer with us close to our hearts and continue to celebrate their legacy and the legacy of all the people who were once part of it. Um, so another huge piece of GH news that we broke uh, last week online is the return of Sean Blakemar as Sean Butler. The actor Sean won a daytime Emmy for Outstanding Supporting Actor in 2016, very deservedly, might I add. And a funny story about that night is that he was on location somewhere the night of the ceremony, and his flight was delayed. And I remember, because I was hanging out with Vanessa Antoine, who played Jordan at the time, um, this sort of like flurry of texts between them, kind of trying to figure out a plan if he missed his category and won. And indeed, he missed his category and he won. And Vanessa <laughs> accepted the award on his behalf. And you know how sometimes um, if you have an iPhone, like random pictures from the past will pop up? Uh -huh. uh, just the other day, uh, I don't know how my phone knew, but uh, this like flurry of photos in my, in my phone showed up of um, different people from the cast like posing with his Emmy before he could get to it. Like I have oh, photos funny. of Vanessa and with Jeffrey Vincent Paris who played Carlos. Um, so Vanessa had custody of the statuette and then Sean finally made it back in time to walk into the GH after party to this huge, warm, thunderous round of applause from his GH family uh, and was reunited with his Emmy. And uh, I remember him telling me later how much that like joyful reception meant to him. Uh, but his character, Sean, has been rotting away in Pentonville since 2015 uh, when he took the, the fall for shooting Hayden in the head. And much like, you know, John Stamos's Blackie Parish before him and like Scott Reeves's Stephen Lars Weber before him, he has been in jail longer than his sentence was for. <laughs> so I think many a GH fan has really been hoping that we would see him again. And his first air date is coming up soon. And I am so, so excited. Well, speaking of characters from the past who we love on GH, um, someone who came to prominence in daytime in the 90s, our guest today is Jonathan Jackson, the multi-daytime Emmy Award winner who I think stole all of our hearts when he joined GH in 1993 as Luke and Laura's son, Lucky. Uh, you know, he has had such an interesting and varied career, and I cannot wait to chat with him, catch up with him, and see what's going on. So let's get him on the line. Hi, Jonathan. Hi. How are hey. you? Good. How are you? I'm great. Thank you. So you are coming to us from Ireland. Tell us about yes. being there. Yes, uh, so my family and I relocated here last year, uh, last June, and uh, it's been quite an adventure, really, because, um, you know, we, we had things uh, set in motion before COVID uh, restrictions, well, before COVID even was on our radar. Uh, so we, we still went through with it, and, you know, it's had its challenges, but um, we love it. You know, it's just so beautiful. Ireland has been a huge part of my life ever since I was really young. So um, we love being here. Yeah, and I, you know, it's, it's, we, we're still waiting for things to open up because it's been on pretty strict lockdown for about six months now. So 
but thankfully it's, you know, there are mountains and beaches and so much beauty that even in a lockdown, um, there's a lot to, to do and a lot to be grateful for. Yeah. That is one of my dream locations that I want to visit. So oh, well, you certainly should. There. Yeah, <laughs> you certainly should. It's worth it. Yeah, it's a great place. Well, let's start. You were born in Orlando, Florida and grew up in Washington State. So yes. given how early you started acting professionally, you must have been exposed to the arts at a very young age. So tell us how your interest in performing began. When I was about nine years old, um, we went on a, a family vacation to Universal Studios and uh, my brother got chosen to go on stage and ride in the DeLorean in the Back to the Future exhibit. And they were kind of showing people how green screens worked and how they did the flying car. And so when we went home, uh, we started making our own home movies together. He's three years older than I am. And we just kind of begged our parents to let us get into acting. And um, a couple of years later, we moved to LA. My parents thought, oh, this is going to be a three month little, you know, adventure for the kids and then we'll come back home. And uh, I got GH um, at that young age. I was 11 years old um, and that kind of kept us there. And then my brother got saved by the Bell, the new class a couple years later. And, and so we were both working um, and my dad would fly down from Washington state every weekend for eight years to be with the family because he had a medical practice up there. So, um, you know, my life in the arts really began professionally with with Tony and Jeannie on the show. So I know that before you got GH, you had done a, just a couple of commercials professionally, not not a lot yeah. on the resume. Do you yeah. remember what the commercials were for, what your experiences on set were like? <laughs> um, I did a local commercial for a, a grocery store called Albertsons when I was nine, I think. Um, I did a Corn Pops commercial. Um, the first few months I was in LA, um, I did a McDonald's commercial. Um, and some of those experiences were okay. Uh, one of, one of them was not the most fun experience. You know, it was one of those situations where 11 years old or 10, I can't remember how old I was, but, and you know, one of the people I was working with was just kind of a, a yeller and a barker. And I just wasn't used to that. So that made an impression on me. Um, so much so that I tested for a feature film a couple months later and the director was so calm and kind that I, I said to him, you're, you're just, you know, you're a great director. And he looked at me at 11 years old. He goes, how would you know? <laughs> and, and I said, well, you're not yelling at people. <laughs> that was so my only, that. yeah, I was like, so I really appreciate that. <laughs> um, but that was on, the only experience I had. Um, and, you know, acting classes for a couple of years uh, in Portland, Oregon, you know, near, near where I was raised. So, um, but I had no idea what I was getting into, you know, it's just such a young age. And I, I, it is, I mean, to this day, probably for the rest of my life, I will be thankful that I was, you know, put in the, the realm of Tony and Jeannie on General Hospital, because it was just such a godsend to um, learn from watching them really and that they uh, took every question I had and you know they were so respectful understanding my age but they didn't treat me there was no uh, they weren't condescending in any way or, or impatient they just they treated me like a fellow performer um, and their hearts were completely open 
uh, and it was just, you know, an incredible foundation. So I'm so thankful for that. Well, that was in 1993 when you were cast. So, I mean, it really is one of the most high profile, you know, castings because this was the child of one of the most beloved super couples ever, Luke and Laura, as you mentioned. So first of all, tell us your casting story at General Hospital. Well, see how much I can remember of it. Um, I mean, I remember auditioning um, and uh, with Mark Teschner and, and I don't remember how many callbacks there were before the screen test. Um, but the screen test, what I remember mostly was, was working with Tony. I remember um, doing the scene a couple times and then we were standing behind the stage. I can't remember if we were both, you know, entering the house or something like that in the scene. And he looked at me and he looked down and he said, uh, he said, you know, they wouldn't spend this much time on, on someone unless they were really interested. So that was encouraging. Um, cause I was probably thinking, am I doing everything wrong? They keep having me do the scene over and over again. And so he probably felt that intuitively and he was letting me know it's, you know, it's the, it's the opposite. They actually really are, you know, they like what's going on and they want to see more. So, and then, um, uh, the other interesting thing was I was also offered a primetime TV show at the exact same time as GH. And my parents put it to me at 11 years old. They said, what, what do you want to do? And the primetime show was with a really, you know, renowned uh, executive producer. And it, it had a lot going for it. Um, and for whatever reason, after a few days, when I really thought about it, I said, you know, I think I'm supposed to, I think I'm supposed to do general hospital. Um, wow. So have no idea why I thought that, but I'm, <laughs> I'm grateful. That was the choice. Be- also because um, that primetime show, um, I think maybe it had six episodes, but it, it didn't last, you know, very long. So you had a feeling when you were that young, you knew. I guess so. <laughs> I guess so. It was probably just the kindness of, of working with Tony or something that made me feel like this, this might be a good, a good place to be, but yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, Lucky's introduction was filmed on location yes. uh, in Rochester, New York. What do you remember uh, about that trip and that experience? Uh, I remember visiting Niagara Falls. That was exciting. Um, I remember the, the, you know, filming at the, the, the diner. I think it was called the Triple L Diner. Um, and the other, the other memory that I have is... Um, after we were done filming the scene, I was, I was walking back to my dressing room and there was a crowd of, of people who had heard about the filming that were, you know, fans of General Hospital and Luke and Laura and everything. And as I was going back to my trailer, there was, um, you know, maybe anywhere between 20 and 40 people. I don't really know because uh, I was so young, but there was a, a significant real crowd of people that gathered around me and wanted to take pictures and have me sign things. And I remember thinking to myself, I haven't done anything yet. (laughs) So it was actually a great introduction to quote unquote fame because I kind of realized that, okay, this is interesting. There's something about this that it's like, I can't take myself too seriously in this dynamic because there are other forces at play as to, you know, why people are really interested and excited. And so, um, but I remember that thought going through my head um, and it, it was, it was kind of a good, it was a good beginning for the, being exposed to all that. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, now, clearly you weren't even alive when Luke and Laura got married. <laughs> right. So yeah. were you ever clued in? Were you aware? Did you know like how big they were before no. you were cast as their son? I really didn't. And people tried to clue me in, but it's kind of impossible, you know, at that age when, when you don't, there was just, there's no way to really comprehend it. Um, and again, I'm actually really thankful for that because to me, uh, you know, Tony and Jeannie were just, I mean, they were just the people I was working with. I had no concept of, you know, the, the kind of um, fame. I mean, I learned over the years hearing stories from both of them of what they went through. Uh, and that level of fame is, is, a, is a bit mad. You know, it's, it's just on the cover of Newsweek. And I mean, it was just, it's a, it's a different world nowadays because obviously back then there just, there wasn't as many um, channels on television. And so when a show was really big, the amount of tens of millions of people that were all watching this one particular show and this one particular event, it's, um, it's very rare in our day and age for people to all be tuned in. To things like that. So, um, I mean, you know, I remember seeing the posters when it was first coming out and people saying things, but it just, I, you know, I, my favorite actor at the time was Kevin Costner and Christian Slater. I was, I was into a whole different, mm-hmm. you know, Michael J. Fox from, you know, Back to the Future and all that kind of stuff. And what I was interested in at 11 and 12 years old was a completely different realm of, of film and television. So, I just had no, uh, no place to put that, but it was, it was good. It was good that that was the case. I think it's, it strikes me that, um, the fact that Jeannie had been a child star probably gave her a great, uh, window into how she could best serve you as a mentor. Oh, tremendously. Um, I mean, and again, I think that's something that I've become more aware of as I've gotten older. Um, It's a strange thing the way, you know, as a child, when you, when you see people that are a few years older than you, when you're young, sometimes they seem like they're so much older. Um, So when I was 11, I would hear stories, you know, or I, I could, I, I might not be remembering this correctly, but I think Jeannie may have only been 14 or so when she started on GH. Yeah. Um, but at the time, as an 11-year-old, 14 sounded a lot older, <laughs> you know? So it took me a few years of growing up and looking back going, wow, I mean, that's a child. She was just a young girl. And, um, but I remember so many moments where she would, um, she would just uh, speak from her heart, really, and from her soul, um, you know, I it's almost difficult to articulate in some ways because there was so much that both her and Tony were uh, selflessly giving to me um, that really, I think, protected me in many ways from a lot of different traps that, um, and, and difficulties that um, are bound to be there. You know, performing as a young person is a very, very vulnerable and difficult thing to do. Uh, and they were just both amazing and um, yeah, I remember specific conversations with Jeannie about a lot of that. And um, I always felt comforted. I mean, she really had that a motherly presence um, that was uh, amazing. 
Mm -hmm. Now you were only 11 and you're now working full time. So how did your life change? Well, my life changed completely in that sense. I mean, um, I remember the first time that I had a script, uh, you know, pass the, the screen test of, of lines to memorize. And it was extremely overwhelming, you know, uh, and it, it's a bit relentless, uh, you know, work on daytime and there's nothing that can really prepare you for it. Um, so yeah, it's a strange thing of just, uh, I, I look back and I honestly, I feel like I have no idea how I got through it to be honest, because I was also doing school, also learning this way of performing in this craft, doing relatively dramatic material, you know, seasonally, depending on the storyline, but always some kind of very challenging work. Um, And I just grew up in my teenage years. uh, Every time, you know, as I got older, I would, you know, go out with my brother and and play pool or go to some place. And I would have to call my mom in between games and go over lines with her, you know, while I'm out with my brother trying to just kind of have a, you know, a, a fun evening at, at 15 or however old I was. So, and that was just, that was life, you know, it was like, it just, it never stopped, but it was very difficult. I mean, um, you know, my first contract was, was three years. I was really ready to be done af- after three years because I just was so exhausted and overwhelmed with it. Um, eventually made the decision to stay for another two and a half years, which obviously I'm very glad I did that. But um, it's, it's GH has always had that tension for me, which is like, I have such a deep love for it, but the work itself psychologically is quite exhausting. And, um, when I came back in 2009, I, I, I just ran into the exact same situation, you know, as a, as an adult. So, yeah. Um, so, uh, obviously Tony and Jeannie were so central to your experience, but you did as lucky intersect with a wider swath of yes. folks on the canvas, you know, and also off screen. So I'm interested in what other adults stand out to you as, as having a role in your experience, you know, in your early years before you sort of yeah. got your own teen story, if you will. Right. Um, well, certainly Maurice. I mean, um, you know, I, I always felt very close to him. Um, and, uh, we didn't work together all that much really, but for some reason, I don't remember how, but we, we, we did connect and I would spend a lot of, a lot of time with him and his family during those years. Um, and we would talk about acting and, and, uh, films and, you know, even at that young age and throughout my teenage years, he and I would talk a lot about, about that because he, he has a very different, method uh, uh in terms of how he approaches acting than i do and so he at times he was interested and curious uh about my approach to things um especially as a young person uh and so i have i have a lot of love for maurice and a lot of great memories there and then as i got a little bit older you know i started to connect more with steve um steve burton and so, but you know, I mean, gosh, there's so many. Um, I, I always have great memories of, of, you know, all of the cast growing up. Um, you know, Vanessa Marcel was always so kind and 
Um, you know, there was, uh, I mean, John Ingle was, was one of the most optimistic, you know, rays of sunshine around the studio. Um, I always, re I always remember being amazed at that. Even as a young kid, I thought, I thought, wow, I, I hope I can be that joyful and appreciative of things, you know, uh, as I, as I grow up and as I get older. So, um, yeah, but I mean, I could probably go on and on. There's, there's, there was a lot of moments. Everyone was so, was really kind, you know? Mm -hmm. Well, um, early on in your GH days, you made your feature film debut in Camp Nowhere, where your co-stars yeah. included Christopher Lloyd, who I imagine meant something to you from Back to the Future, and yes, um, yes. Jessica Alba. So what was right. that experience like? That was amazing, and you're absolutely right, because Back to the Future had a huge, you know, presence in our home um, for various reasons. Uh, so when I got a chance to work with Christopher Lloyd, that was amazing. Um, and he, honestly, for me, he really had a similar, um, a similar presence to, to Tony in the sense that he was also very... Uh, selfless in in his approach to acting and and encouraging and open and funny and you know just so seasoned with improv and keeping things fresh and all that kind of stuff and i think because i'd watched back to the future so much there was almost a strange familiarity that i felt you know um and when you're a young performer in particular whether it's acting or music or anything really you you begin by imitation. I mean, that's kind of the first place to begin. So a lot of the little things I was experimenting with on Camp Nowhere was, was, you know, kind of rooted in Michael J. Fox's timing. And, you know, it was through watching him and observing him. So there was sort of an odd, an odd uh, connection, I guess. And, and, um, and, and, Tom Wilson as well from Back to the Future was also in that. So there was, it was crazy. It was like, there's two, two people from Back to the Future in this film. I was like, this is amazing. So, yeah. And Jessica Alba, you know, she was very, very sweet. And, you know, there, there was a whole um, host of young actors working on that film. And most of us were kind of just getting started. So we had no idea uh, where things were, were going to take us. Mm -hmm. Well, Lucky's storyline, I think, um, became more mature with the introduction of, of Nicholas in 1996 and, and Lucky yeah. having to wrestle with uh, the sudden presence of a surprise brother and how it altered his thinking about his mother. Um, yeah. Tell us about working with Tyler Christopher. Yeah, well, I mean, certainly, um, you know, that, that is one of the most significant uh, friendships and, and, and memories that I have of working on GH. Um, you know, I just, I remember early on when, when uh, Tyler first came on the show, um, playing basketball together. And again, it was interesting because I was, you know, a bit, a bit younger than him. Um, so he had a, a, a different life experience. Um, but at the same time, when you're working together, you, you come together um, as coworkers and as, as equals when you're when you're acting and so it's a strange dynamic when it comes to to acting in that sense because 
in real life, it's like you might be in a very different headspace or life experience space, but when you're working together, you're both just there as performers. So, um, but very quickly, you know, we, we became friends and, and um, over the years, it's just interesting how performing together with people creates certain bonds. I mean, you have to have a certain level of trust, a certain level of openness to work with other people. Um, and I remember, you know, when I, when I was back on the show, um, 2010 to 2012, I guess, um, you know, there was an, there were some ending scenes that, um, that we had and we just spent so much time working through those scenes and, um, and really pouring our heart and soul into, you know, just kind of reconstructing what, what we felt like this was, it was supposed to be. It was, it was a really powerful thing for us um, to go through. And um, I was really thankful for that. Mm -hmm. Well, your character became even more prominent and even more popular when he was paired with Rebecca Herbst as Elizabeth. Uh, and you know, their love, their young love story really had some very tragic and adult elements, you know, as they first grew close as Lucky helped Liz recover from her rape. And you know, to this day, yeah. Liz and Lucky hold such a special place in fans' hearts and mm -hmm. was really one of the most successful young love stories ever told on daytime. So what stands out to you about the early days of that pairing and working with Becky on that storyline? Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, certainly the, the very opening uh, scenes I remember vividly, you know, um, just the, the, it was extremely dramatic and, and I, you know, I was a very young, young performer still. So to deal with that kind of subject matter at, at 15 is a pretty intense thing to do. Um, and so, you know, those, those first scenes in the snow and all that, um, it's a very vivid memory to me. Um, and just, I don't know, I, I, I found that whole storyline to be quite, um, quite powerful uh, for me walking through it, you know, as a performer. Again, like, just to, to feel uh, what Lucky was going through, I, I, I saw a real goodness uh, coming out in him, in, in the way that they were writing him, uh, taking care of her. It was a very selfless, beautiful. I also appreciated the fact that the romance was rooted in something uh, much deeper than um, a, a kind of surface flirting uh, or infatuation. It was. It was. Um, it was just something deeper, and I and you know the fans responded to it as well. I I remember getting so many letters and messages from people over the years during that storyline of just how much that meant to them and people that have, you know, have recovered from um, abuse and assault and all these, these incredible harrowing uh, stories and, and messages I would receive. But there was always a sense of, it was almost a bit therapeutic, you know, in, in, in how the, the love story was, was told. As part of that, that storyline, um, yeah. Lucky found out uh, about the rape that, uh, of Laura by Luke yeah. and that forever changed his dynamic with his parents. And right. my goodness, you know, the scenes that they yielded between you and Tony in particular were just incredible, I think. Mm -hmm. um, 
what stands out to you about that chapter in Lucky's life? Well, yeah, it was um, sort of a paradoxical feeling for me, which was, um, you know, the, the, the pain that, that Lucky was going through, my character was going through. And then there's a strange cathartic element as a performer when you're going through that with other performers. Um, you know, Tony, I remember him saying something to me once before we were going into a scene and he said something like, he said, you know, sometimes before I go into a scene, I, I imagine myself kind of staring into the abyss and, and that's kind of what it feels like because, um, you know, the, the, the height of drama of these storylines, it's they're um, working with Tony and Jeannie at a young age. I, I never felt okay um, sort of half performing it or phoning it in or anything like that. It was this unspoken thing, like this is our duty to give it everything we have. That's a very exhausting thing to do day in and day out. Um, Cause like when you're shooting a film, you may film it for a few months and it's extremely exhausting, but then you have time to recover and all of that. And sometimes when these storylines just go back to back to back and you're, you've been kind of reared to, to give it everything you have. Uh, it, it, it does. Um, it's exhausting. So my memory of it is both it's kind of cathartic in, in terms of how close I became with, with Tony and Jeannie and, and Tyler and Becky and everything, but also uh, remembering just how, how utterly exhausting the whole, the whole thing was. Yeah. Yeah. Well, over the course of your first run on the show, you won three daytime Emmys. So what do you remember about winning the first time in 1995? Oh, boy. Um, well, I, I remember, you know, Tony and Jeannie, uh, were presenting, uh, you know, the award, which, which meant so much to me. Um, and all I remember is getting up on the stage and looking out, um, and just, uh, it was a very surreal moment for me. Um, and so I was, it was overwhelming. Um, and I, I just remember having a lot of gratitude, um, you know, for my, my parents and for my family. And then to have Tony and Jeannie on the stage next to me, um, that was really, really special because, you know, everything, everything that I was doing as, as a young performer at that time was a reflection of what they were, what they were giving to me. Um, so, you know, it, it was just, that was really what made it the most memorable and special for me was, was that they were, they were right there, you know, for that moment. Mm -hmm. uh, well, <clears throat> as if you weren't busy enough on General Hospital and you were also <laughs> dabbling in movies during that first mm -hmm. run. And uh, you also starred in The Deep End of the Ocean with Michelle Pfeiffer. I remember going to see it in theaters on opening night to support yes. Jonathan Jackson. <laughs> what was she like to work with? She was, she was fantastic. I absolutely loved working with her. Um, you know, I, I've really been so blessed to work with, with some incredible, um, incredible performers. And I, I felt something very, you know, a similar, um, a similar connection with her, you know, there was a, 
the relationship in that film with Vincent, uh, he was a very troubled teen. So most of the scenes, there was a great deal of turmoil between mother and son. And yet at the same time, the turmoil is there because of how much they love each other. And um, so there was, I always felt very comfortable with, with, uh, with Michelle and I felt comfortable um, talking to her about any thoughts or questions or uh, concerns, ideas, any of that stuff. Um, she was incredibly open and uh, just, you know, I, I think an incredible actress. So I was learning a lot from working with her and just thoroughly enjoyed the whole process. And that project was a, I was a great, you know, it was a great uh, uh, challenge and a fun project for me because the, the novel was, was really beautifully written. And so it was exciting to just delve into a different character during that time and um, have something that had a lot of depth as well. Um, Tony wrote me a really beautiful, you know, letter right before I started filming that, which was very helpful because I was researching a lot. I was reading the novel and I was preparing as much as I can. And he said something to me that I've never forgotten. He said, um, he said, just remember that it's impossible to act information. Mm -hmm. And um, that was really great because you can do a lot of preparation, but at the end of the day, you can't really act the information. A acting is a, is a sort of mysterious letting go. Um, it, it's not intellectual primarily. So that was very, very helpful at the, at the time. Mm -hmm. Well, you mentioned that you did stay a little longer than you had intended, but in 1999, yeah. you did make the decision to leave. So what went into that mm -hmm. decision and what was that like for you? Um, a lot of things went into the decision. Um, you know, honestly, I would say that the, the, the main thing was just the exhaustion of being a teenager and, and um, doing school, trying to get through high school and working, you know, it was around 50 weeks a year at the time uh, for that many years. And so I needed to, and, and within that, it was also the excitement of, you know, saying, doing other characters, other projects and things like that, um, which General Hospital was very accommodating um, during those years to do the Deep Into the Ocean, Camp Nowhere and some other projects. Um, but I would always have to, um, like Camp Nowhere, for instance, I would film Tuesday through I think it was Tuesday through Saturday, I think. And then I would film all of my week's worth of work on GH on Monday. So, you know, I do, I was doing the film Tuesday through Saturday. I was memorizing 30 to 40 pages of material on Sunday to work all day Monday and then go back to filming. And this went on for eight to 10 weeks. So uh, I was able to do these films, but it was, you know, it was at a price yeah. Um, to some extent. Uh, so it was just, I was just excited to say, uh, I can breathe a little bit. Um, I can do some other roles and, and, um, and maybe just recover a touch. So, um, you know, but I always had it in my mind when I left, even in 99, that I wanted to be able to, you know, come back. And I never saw it as a thing like, okay, now I'm leaving and that's it. You know, it's like, right. I just not interested in ever coming back. I never saw it that way. I saw it as I had such a, it was such a foundation uh, inside of me really that 
I always wanted to be able to, you know, come back and, and, uh, and work on GH uh, from time to time. So it, it, it took longer than I thought, actually, for that to happen. Your availability for other projects was taken advantage of. You, uh, you had so many different projects that you did before ultimately you did come back to, uh, to General Hospital. And, and one movie that I want to mention was 2002's Tuck Everlasting with Alexis Liddell, Another mm -hmm. Time. I, I don't remember the last time I went to a movie, but if Jonathan Jackson was in a movie at that time, <laughs> clearly I was nice. there. Um, what was filming that uh, project like? Uh, that was another, you know, highlight for me, another great experience, um, great cast, you know, just a beautiful story. Um, I love period pieces, so that was fun to get to, um, you know, it's, it's a literary piece. And so I, I love books and reading and all that kind of stuff. So just the whole project was, was exciting for me. Um, huge Ben Kingsley fan. So that was, you know, that was amazing to to get to work with him and observe his process, um, as well as, you know, Sissy Spacek and William Hurt. Um, I was just, with all the projects I've done over the years, I, I just love observing different performers, how they do what they do. It's always fascinated me. It's so vastly different, um, the way that people approach what they do. Um, uh, Alexis was amazing. Um, so it was, it was just fun. You know, the other thing I enjoyed about Tuck was the character was full of joy and had an exuberance for life. Uh, and as we mentioned on General Hospital, there was a lot of intense drama going on. And then a lot of the other films I had done um, were quite dramatic and intense. So I actually hadn't really played uh, a character that had this sort of joyful uh, presence. And it was a bit, it was kind of relieving, you know, um, to get to do that. So I appreciated that. Yeah. You got to channel your inner John Engle. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, yeah. 2002 was also a very big year for you personally. You got married to your beautiful wife, Lisa Voltaggio, who had yes. played the role of Hannah. So how did you know she was the one? Well, we met um, on, on General Hospital, um, but we didn't really work together. I mean, we, we may have been in some, some scenes, you know, where a lot of people were, a lot of the cast were in certain events, but we didn't really work together. Uh, we crossed paths. Um, and then uh, after I had left the show, uh, she started... Uh, we, we had these, you know, Bible study gatherings at, at my house for a while and some of my coworkers and friends and different people would, would come and visit. Um, and so she was invited uh, to come to our house. And so over the next couple of years, we, you know, became friends and really got to know each other outside of, of acting. Um, and it was a, a deep friendship, I guess. I mean, because we never dated. Mm -hmm. um, we knew each other. Uh, we would see each other every weekend, pretty much, for about two and a half years. Um, and um, and then I I was um, sort of uh, crazy enough to um, <laughs> propose to her and uh, found out that she you know had feelings for me for the last couple of years. We'd never talked about it or 
never really gone out to coffee together, but we were, we were always around each other um, with a group of friends. And uh, so it was, it was amazing. It was just one of those things. It's, I look back on it and I go, I don't, it's one of those things you look and you go, I don't know how I knew, but I really knew. <laughs> well, yeah. You know? 20 years later, almost, yeah. the marriage, you knew something. You were yeah. right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> pretty, yes. pretty neat. Mm. <laughs> so um, in 2004, you and your brother formed your band, E-Nation. Yeah. Um, what have been the highlights for you of the musical aspect mm. of, your, of your career, which has also been pretty substantial? Oh, yeah. I mean, there's so many um, for us, you know, just the... I love, I love uh, playing music, writing music, performing is just such a deep part of, uh, of who I am. And um, there are so many memories we have. Um, I mean, some of them are uh, funny and bizarre. Um, I mean, over the years, you know, when you're touring and <laughs> with your brother and uh, you're just on these long drives and some of it's very un... Um, it's not lofty. It's just kind of real life stuff. But in terms of, I love making records. I would say that um, the process of going into a studio and having however amount of time we have to really just make a record, I could probably just live there. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I could make records year round really. Um, and I just absolutely love the process. Um, and so over the years, working with incredible producers like Greg Archilla have been massive highlights. Um, Colin Linden uh, on Nashville, working with T-Bone Burnett, you know, was a, a huge, huge um, dream come true. And Buddy Miller um, performing on the Opry stage, you know, uh, with Richard uh, was incredible. Opening for Echo and the Bunnymen in the UK you know, and playing the Royal Albert Hall. That was just, you know, a very special thing. And then there are just certain nights where over the years, even if we're playing in a small club with 500 people where something electric happens and, and it's just the music clicks, the audience clicks, and it's just one of those things. Uh, and, and that, I think as an artist, it's that same rush, no matter what you're doing. If, if you're acting and there's a scene with another performer and both of you, the chemistry of what you're doing just goes somewhere. You end up kind of just participating in something unexpected. Um, and that's life giving to you. And it's the same thing with music. Um, there are just some songs and some nights where the music is giving back to you as much as you're, you know, pouring out for the audience. So, um, yeah, you know, there's, and we're still, we have a, an album coming out later this year. Um, we were supposed to tour, uh, do a couple tours last year, which obviously has, you know, been delayed. Um, but we're still making a lot of music and uh, plugging away. Mm -hmm. Well, in 2009, you mentioned you did return to General Hospital for a two-year run. So what was it like for you to reunite with your GH family 10 years later with so much life experience gained, including yeah. marriage and fatherhood? Yes, it was an amazing experience. It was um, surreal. Um, I mean, I, I, I remember thinking how many other situations are there where this could be possible? Mm -hmm. You know, how many other um, shows and, and 
work environments could could you leave for 10 years and come back and be working with the same actor who played your father you know at 11 i was like i don't know i think i was around 28 at the time when i came back um so you know i considered it a, a really profound gift uh to be able to do that you know to work with uh with becky again and with tyler and um and tony and just to see everybody um in you know in the hair and makeup department and wardrobe and um it's a very special thing um that shows like general hospital i mean there are fewer and fewer obviously nowadays um that have survived but um it's a really profound thing uh to have that kind of uh those kind of memories and that kind of rapport with people so i was i was a little nervous um not overly nervous but a little bit it was it was a bit odd, you know, stepping back into it. It was strange, it, but it took, it only took probably maybe four days before the, the nerves and the strangeness, because little things change, you know? I mean, over the years, the, the, the pace was already ridiculously fast. It's got even faster. And I hear it's gotten even faster <laughs> <laughs> since, since I was there last. Um, so, you know, I, I did have to kind of go, wow, okay, geez, we used to, we used to have 10 minutes to talk about the scene, you know, and now, yeah, now you have three. Um, so that was kind of challenging in some ways, but, you know, the directors were just fantastic. And, um, you know, I, I, I feel very comfortable as a performer. I feel very free there, you know, because uh, just growing up working there. It's just, you know, there's, there is this feeling of freedom, um, which is great. And knowing the character too. Um, and I think it took me a little while to kind of remember a lot. I remember a lot of the interviews I would do at the time, because, you know, people had been watching the show for 10 years and I hadn't, okay. <laughs> and, and my character had been on the show, but I hadn't. So I, I was clueless on a lot of things. And they, they, the, everyone I would talk to knew more about, you know, what was going on than I did. I had this wealth from, you know, the six years I was on the show to begin with. So I was constantly drawing from that. And then I was getting all this new information from, um, from the directors and writers and, and fans. And I would say that to fans. I was like, look, you know way more about what's going on than I do. I'm, I'm completely I'm lost right now so but other than the inform again you can't act information so other than I was learning this information but I actually still felt very comfortable playing you know lucky it it was um just extremely natural um it was amazing to be on the set again working with Tony you know that was artistically it was very it was feeding my soul for sure mm -hmm. um well, you picked up two more daytime Emmys for, for, for that run. I mean, mm -hmm. uh, you know, you had the three for younger actor. Now you had two as supporting. That's mm -hmm. pretty darn impressive. But what did it mean to you personally to mm -hmm. uh, have that honor bestowed on you? Well, I was very, uh, I mean, that was another surreal thing. Um, because again, you know, when you mentioned the, 
the first Emmy had won when I was 12 years old. So I remember when I, um, I can't remember what year it was, maybe 2011, when I, when I won that year, I remember this feeling the memory of that first time because I'd been away for so long to come back. Um, it felt so surreal again. And um, so I was, you know, extremely humbled and, and shocked at the whole thing and, and kind of, it was a bit bewildering. Um, but it was, an, it was an honor. It felt good as an adult performer, you know, um, to, you know, be duking it out, so to speak, um, with, with, with the adult performers. Cause I was always, you know, I was there as a young, young person as a kid and a teenager. So that was an honor. I was very grateful for that. Um, and again, uh, you know, I've always felt like it was, it was the, as an actor, you're never, you're never acting alone. Um, except if you're Tony Geary sometimes, cause he did a one man play, which was pretty <laughs> genius. But um, other than those rare circumstances, you're pretty, you're never acting alone. So whatever the scenes were, I mean, I remember some significant scenes with, with Becky and Tyler. And um, so it always felt like I, I was, I was sharing that and experiencing that with them. I, 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 there's no way that I, you know, I would have been on that stage if, if, if I hadn't have been working with such incredible uh, performers. So, and the writers, you know, God bless them. They, they gave me a lot to do and, and, and continue to take chances and kind of, um, you know, push me, um, which I appreciated and resented simultaneously. So you left again two years later and you've alluded to the fact that it was because of the schedule. So tell us your reasons for making that decision. Yeah, honestly, that was it. That was, that was it. I was just, you know, I was planning on staying. Um, I kind of had my life set up where I was, I thought, well, this is, you know, this makes sense. This is great. You know, I, I love the people I work with and, you know, my family is, is happy here. Um, this is good, but, uh, the degree of, um, the, the, it was a combination of the amount of work and the type of work that it was for me. It was just, uh, it was, as I said before, it was a bit relentless, um, the dramatic situations that were happening. And I remember in the 90s, there, there, I could be wrong, maybe this is just, you know, uh, the wrong memory, but it seemed as though the storylines would, you know, you'd have a three-month storyline of massive intensity, and then it would just shift and you would really have a bit of time to recover from the immensity of it. And then it would come back again. Um, and for some reason, when I came back in 2000, late 2009, for those two years, it, it nearly felt like the entirety of the time was just, you know, pedal down full. Uh, and so, you know, I just, um, I had conversations with people and I said, look, I, I want to stay, but I am exhausted, I'm depleted, and I don't know if I can keep going. And it just, it was one of those circumstances that at the end of the day, I, I, I just remember I was driving to work one day and again, intellectually, everything in me was going, okay, this, I'm going to, I'm going to sign again, I'm going to continue. And I called my wife and I said, look, I don't know what's going on, but I'm just telling you, I just can't do it. And it, you know, it's, it's not a logical decision 
Um, but I just, I can't. And so that was, uh, you know, that was that. Um, and I think a lot of it is just how I'm wired, you know, as a, as a person, um, other people, obviously, because they've been on for many more years and, you know, do phenomenal work, they can kind of handle it and balance it in a certain way. Um, and, uh, I, I tend to need significant amounts of time to recharge. So I have something to, to give again. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I think that other performers struggle with that as well. I, I, I really admire how clear you are about how you're wired and mm. making decisions, but I think that people pay a price for not taking that time away. Yeah. I mean, I think you're probably right. And I think that this happens to people in any, any, many lines of work. You could say, I mean, it could be, uh, you know, medical, uh, care workers, doctors, um, uh, it could be, uh, athletes, you know, uh, oftentimes their body just starts to say like, I, you know, I can't, it's not working. I can't do it. I have to recover in different ways. So I think people in general do have to face that. Um, I mean, even as parents, parents go through, you get to burnout and you have to reassess and go, um, I'm not going to be much good to anybody if I'm, you know, <laughs> completely burnt out, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, and it is a hard thing to do because you feel like you're either letting certain people down or letting yourself down or, you know, not fulfilling certain expectations. But in retrospect, I look back on it and I, and I, I do feel like it was, you know, it was the right thing to do at the time. Um, and, you know, Nashville came shortly after that, which obviously was a beautiful adventure for us and my family, which wouldn't have happened. So it all, you know, happens for a reason, I guess. Well, to say I was a fan of Nashville would be an understatement. Um, so, you know, Avery came on and he was kind of a jerk. And, yeah, he was. And then, but when they paired um, him with Juliet and you worked with Hayden Panettiere, I feel like we saw a completely different side of him and it really was an evolution for that character. You know, so when you look back sort of at the early years and where your character went, yeah. um, you know, what stands out to you about that? Well, definitely that, you know, character arc. Um, the the character of Avery um, easily could have he was a, a he was a bit of a he was a jerk he was a bit of a punk and um, <laughs> you know he was kind of a spoiler in some way to um, Scarlet and Gunner yeah. and so he could have I could have been written off the show easily I think mm -hmm. you know with with where the character was and he was quite unlikable so. I don't know really how it happened, but I just know I'm, I'm very thankful to, you know, Callie Curry uh, for seeing something in me that um, they shifted the trajectory of the character. And it actually turned out, I think, to be better that it happened that way, that he started out being a bit of a jerk because it allowed there to be a bit of uh, uh, humility and reassessment, which is always a fascinating thing to watch when you see a character maybe be too ambitious or selfish or narcissistic and kind of hitting these walls and realizing maybe I don't want to be that guy. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe there's more to this life than just trying to, you know, pursue my career. 
it's a fascinating thing. And it's a very realistic thing um, that performers uh, go through. Um, and, you know, um, you know, I, I absolutely, I loved, I mean, the cast, I, I'm very close, you know, with the whole cast. And that's another unique thing to be able to go six years, you know, and, and um, forge those friendships. And, and that went into touring and all that kind of stuff, which was amazing. I mean, but I loved working um, with Claire Bowen. Um, uh, she was, you know, she's such a great performer. And, but then the storylines shifted and went towards working with Hayden. And I absolutely loved working with Hayden as well. So the, the dynamic, well, Hayden, you know, she worked in soaps, right? So it was kind of a child actor too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So her and I, we, we kind of, we, we understood each other a bit in that sense. And the way that we work together, um, when you're working on soap operas at a young age, um, everything is so fast and you need to be prepared because you have one take pretty much. Mm -hmm. Um, So the preparation for your performance, if you care and if you want it to be good, you have to put that work in because you're not going to get eight takes or 12 takes and, you know, try this and do this and all this kind of stuff. It's like, you have to come in and you have to say, I'm ready. (laughs) Um, So her and I, we would show up ready. You know, it's like, yeah, it's like, let's do this. And so oftentimes we would just knock the scenes out. It'd be like, bam, 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 it's done. And, you know, it was, it was a positive thing for the set and for the, the movement of things that, cause the scenes were going well, the chemistry was there, there was humor. Um, you know, she's hilarious and there's lots of fun timing things to play off of. And the characters were, you know, they were both kind of jerks and narcissists who were becoming better people through falling in love with each other. So it was, it was, there was a lot of room for humor, which, um, which was really fun. It was fun to do. There were also a lot of really great guy dynamics on that show. Yes. Uh, uh, So tell us about, you know, some of the, the relationships your character had with the fellows in the mix. Like I thought that Gunner, Will, and Avery scenes were always my favorite, like in that, in that uh, apartment that they had. Oh yeah. Oh, I know. Yeah. There were so many, there were so many great, you know, fun scenes. Um, There were nicknames and all these different, you know, things for that, but um, yeah, I mean, just working with, uh, with Sam Palladio um, was such a joy and, and Chris Carmack. I mean, it was so much fun. Uh, they're both um, very um, good natured and um, they're, just, they're just lovely people. So it was really enjoyable and easy, mm-hmm. you know, um, and you know, again, the, the dynamic of a, a primetime show is very different than a daytime show because we're only doing, you know, five to seven pages a day or somewhere around that. So the memorizing isn't nearly as intense, but the hours are longer. And so the boredom, you know, is a bit more of a challenge because there's a lot of waiting around. And, and um, so it was just, it was great to be around other uh, people that just have a great sense of humor. Um, uh, and so I, 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 I really love them. Um, and, you know, Chip, obviously Charles Eston as well. I mean, he's, he is a, 
uh, an absolutely, he's a, a beautiful, beautiful human being who's hilarious and um, energetic uh, and very thoughtful. Um, so, I mean, we really, really lucked out with the cast, I would say, you know. One of my biggest regrets, I would say, is that I just didn't really get to work with Connie very much over the, right. you know, five years or so that she was, you know, on the show. Um, I had a few scenes with her, but just very rare. So we would joke about it because I would see her every maybe once a month because every time I'd show up on the set, she either wasn't there or was leaving mm-hmm. and vice versa. <laughs> So we would, every time I'd see her, I'd say, hi, I'm Jonathan Jackson. It's nice to meet you. I love your work on the show. You know? um, but I, I, I wish we would have been able to, to work together a bit more. Well, it's funny you say that because I feel like in my mind's eye, I could see the very few scenes that you did have. To, yeah. You know? I know. It was about uh, probably a handful, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, in 2015, you did pop back into GH as Tony Geary was bringing his career as Luke to a close. So what stands yeah. out to you about that visit? Oh, a lot of things. I mean, I'm so thankful that I got to do that. Um, you know, uh, I'm trying to think where, where to start because it was, I think I did four episodes, maybe. I don't remember that shot over the course of two days it was either a hundred pages in two days or 150 in two days. I can't remember, but it was an insane amount. And I remember having the biggest splitting headache um, in between scenes, but also loving every minute of it. Um, I brought my daughter with me on the trip. Um, And what year did you say this was? 2015? Yeah. So she was, um, uh, she was maybe nine or so. So that was, I, you know, that was a, a daddy-daughter um, adventure that I remember really well, which is great. And also the fact that she got to connect with Tony again was really special. Mm-hmm. Um, and but what I remember mostly was just, well, I was also getting to work with Jeannie again because that, you know, I hadn't, I hadn't really seen her or worked with her in so many years. So that was a, a, another phenomenal uh, bonus uh, and very special to me to to connect with her again. Um, and then the scenes themselves, you know, as always, um, I mean, I remember being 11, 12, 13 years old, going into Tony's room or Jeannie's room and just working through the scenes, you know. Um, and it was the same. You know, I, I, I arrived in L.A. I called Tony uh, from the hotel, and, and he and I just talked for, you know, a long time about just about the scenes. It was like, okay, let's, let's, let's see what we have here and let's see what we can do with this. Let's try to figure this out. Um, and, uh, you know, it was, um, it was really special. I was, I was so thankful that that, that, that worked out. It was really amazing. I mean, did you go back to Nashville and tell everyone like, just by the way, I just did like 150 pages in two days. Which I don't was think so. More than we did for probably the whole season. Yeah, I know exactly. No, I don't even remember. Honestly, it was such a blur. Um, I, I, and I'm trying to remember when we filmed that on GH, like if it was during hiatus. Um, 
because I would get about two and a half months off each year from Nashville. And I, I can't remember if it was during hiatus or if I did it while we were filming. I, I honestly don't remember. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was so strange to go from that world of Nashville, which at that point I'd been doing for, I guess, three years or so, um, back to GH, over 100 pages. And, and what I thought was fast three years before had just, I mean, it was like, you know, you rehearse the scene and they say, you know, okay, cut, cut. And you kind of look at the other actor and you kind of raise your hand to say something like, okay, here we go. And you're like, <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Here we go. Let's do this. Um, but, you know, it's just, they, they say action or a countdown or whatever. And it's Tony, it's Jeannie. It's like, okay. Or it's, it's Becky, you know, it's, yeah. this is it. So, yeah. Well, you know, it, it's something that I have struggled with as a viewer. The idea that Lucky expressed uh, that he's broken or has a darkness in him and therefore he cannot be in Port Charles and he cannot raise his child. But I got to say, you sold it better than I can imagine anyone selling it. And you had such no. powerful scenes in such a compact amount of time. I mean, they really, really stand out in my mind. Mm, thank you. That's amazing. I mean, they, on a, uh, for me on a personal level, they, they really do, you know, stand out for me just because those were really, uh, those were special moments for Tony and I working together. It's, you know, again, it's one of those things. Sometimes you're working on a project and if it's a film or, or um, early on in a series, let's say where, you're thrown into a relationship. You don't know this other performer at all. And it's your, your mother or your wife or your sister or something. And it, you've just met them. And, um, and, and there's an, something interesting about doing that and, and, and uh, trusting and performing. But in those scenes with Tony, it was like there was a lot of – I knew this was, these were his last scenes. Mm -hmm. So there's this whole – other world, this whole overtones going on um, to the performances. And again, that just doesn't happen very often. Um, you know, certainly there were some scenes towards the end of Nashville where we, where we felt that as well as the show was coming to an end. But um, yeah, it's, it's, that, is a, that is a blessing and something I'm very thankful for um, amidst all the various forms of chaos. Uh, it's the connection with with the, my friends and the other performers that really um, make it worthwhile. Mm -hmm. Well, one of the reasons we're talking to you today is that you've written a book, The Harrowing of Hell, and you're running mm. an Indiegogo campaign to raise funds uh, to publish it. So yes. tell us about this project. Yes, well, this project began probably about 10 years ago or so. Um, my, my oldest son, who was about six or seven at the time, was uh, really fascinated by uh, an old story called Beowulf. And because he was so young, we got him the uh, audio book. And so he would listen to this all the time. And it's this epic story about this hero, Beowulf. And he was just so captivated by it that it, it kind of drew my attention. Um, and so I had been reading a lot of history books. I'm, you know, I, I love reading and I, I was really just delving into a lot of those things. And I stumbled across this sort of ancient story that really hasn't been told very much, which is this um, 
mythical um, event, uh, which also happens to be something that um, was a part of, of history in terms of how uh, Christianity was taught, is that after Christ's crucifixion, he actually went into hell to free everyone there. And so, you know, in the ancient creeds, they talked about Christ descending into hell. Um, and it reminded me a bit of um, uh, Beowulf and some of the classic hero stories. Um, so I had been writing these books of poetry. The first one I, I did was called Book of Solace and Madness that, that um, we released in 2012. And... Um, I was just so inspired by reading these events and, and also the fact that it just hasn't really been uh, written about much or contemplated. So I thought of, of writing an epic poem, um, you know, because these are very mystical events, uh, there's no way to really know what happened or what it means fully um, in a literal sense, but going to it at it from a place of poetry really opens something up, you know, creatively. So I've been waiting for years uh, for the right time. So I was approached by um, uh, Cave uh, Productions and Cave Publishing uh, about doing an Indiegogo campaign for the book. And I thought, you know, yeah, it's, it's, I've been waiting this long. Maybe it's the right time. And we were actually going to do it last year. And then the pandemic happened. Um, so, you know, we, we put it off and we're doing it this year. But it's interesting because as we've lived through this year and as, you know, the world has gone through such turmoil, it's actually felt um, like a good time, you know, because the poem, regardless of one's, you know, religious background or, um, or beliefs, in essence, the poem is, is, is a story of, of, light being present with us in our darkness mm -hmm. and it's it's full of um hope and mercy and, and beauty um so that's that's kind of the background of the story and we're raising funds um to get original illustrations for the book uh and also um the first hardcover prints as well it's amazing where can people go to pitch in jonathan uh, well, if they can, the easiest place would probably be just to go to my website, um, jonathanjackson.com. Uh, and we have it on the, on the home page there, which is, um, it, it has a link, uh, to the Indiegogo, or you can just go to Indiegogo and, and type the heroine of hell and it'll come up. Um, but, uh, yeah, it'll be running until May 2nd. Uh, and, uh, yeah, we're really excited about it. Um, I've shared it with family and friends and, you know, different, um, artists throughout the years that have inspired me. And, and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very excited to get to share it with more people because it's, you know, it's been something I've had for nearly a decade now and, and waiting for the right time. So. I imagine your son's pretty excited too. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I know. I, I couldn't believe it when we were kind of putting together the, the videos for the campaign. I was like, wow, I can't believe that, you know, that it's been this long, that it's been 10 years. So, incredible. so yeah. Well, you know, GH fans are always talking about wanting Lucky back. Um, you know, we mentioned you're in Ireland, but is GH yeah. anywhere on your radar at the moment? Well, I mean, you know, I, I, 
like I said, when I, when I left in 1999, I always had, had it in my mind um, to come back, you know, periodically. Um, so I'm always open to that. I've, I've, never, I've never really been of the mentality of, of closing that door. Um, so obviously, logistically, it, it certainly becomes more difficult to figure out, not only living in Ireland, but just, you know, on top of that with the travel restrictions and those complications, it makes it very difficult. Um, but it is a strange, a strange thing that, that, um, that Lucky uh, left to Ireland. <laughs> to Ireland and that I've ended up living here. Um, so I don't know if maybe that means something, but, um, good. Maybe I, it's this all method acting thing. I'm, I'm getting into character. I'm, <laughs> I can come back and say, yes, I just came from Ireland. Um, so yeah, no, you know, I, 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 for some reason, whenever I have not been working on the show, I've, I've not, I, I don't watch the show. Um, and that, that's not a negative, not coming from a negative place at all. It's just, I think it's, I don't know, it's, it's almost, it would feel strange to, um, to watch the show, but not be able to be there and perform. Um, not be able to talk back to the people that are yeah, talking. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but I keep in touch, you know, and, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm always open to those things. I, it's just there's so many dynamics of, of life really that that is the main question for it. So I'm not telling you anything that Lucky doesn't know because he uh like Skypes with his son, we we are told. But oh, okay. is is a widow. Uh Nicholas is back from the dead. There's so much that you you could be part of. <laughs> but um, wow. what does it mean to you that the impact that you made as Lucky is so great that fans do still mention all the time, mm -hmm. you know, the, the prospect of you returning or what it would be like to have Lucky in the mix of the storylines. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, you know, that's, that's another unique thing about being a part of a show like General Hospital and, and the, the legacy of, you know, Luke and Laura. Um, so I, I, I relate that to the the blessing and fortune for me to be a, a part of a, a, a legacy like that. Um, and the, the fans have such a deep love for these characters and it's a unique thing. Again, this, this medium where people get to perform uh, and viewers get to see these, these characters develop over so many years, uh, day in and day out. Um, so yeah, it, it still amazes me though, to be honest. I mean, I, um, after so many years, um, I, you know, receiving messages from people on Instagram or, you know, social media places and asking, you know, about general hospital and are you coming back and all this kind of stuff. And it, it is, it's after so many years, it's, it's an amazing thing, but, um, it, it's always going to be. A huge part of my life um, and uh, so I, I I always look you know look at GH with with such um, gratitude and love for all the people that work there on you know on screen and off screen so 
and thankful to, you know, the fans for their incredible support over the years. And, and so many of them have, you know, followed my career with films and a nation and all of that kind of stuff. So, um, I'm, I'm really, um, uh, really thankful for that. And, um, yeah, I mean, we'll see. It's incredible. I mean, I'm, I'm hearing really great things about, about the show and seems to be, you know, like it's, it's, um, it's even through, you know, the pandemic that they're finding ways to safely uh, work. Mm-hmm. I mean, I didn't even know. I was amazed to know how long they've been up and running yeah. during all yeah. this, you know? Um, so bravo mm-hmm. to them. Do you see Ireland as a permanent home or is it just home for now or for the time being? I mean, we're, we'll have to see how things go, I guess. But the the idea is that it could be permanent, as as permanent as things are in our world. Um, you know, uh, my my wife, you know, Elisa, she she moved from Canada when she was uh, a young actress and lived in LA for a long time, and then we lived in Washington State. We lived in Nashville for eight years, and so her and I both are kind of used to moving around and living in different places. Um, so we, you know, uh, anything could happen, but I hope, I hope we're able to stay here, uh, for a long time. I think that would be, that would be great. Well, it's wild to think that in just a couple of years, you know, you'll be marking the 30th anniversary of your GH debut. That's crazy. And so when yeah. you look back just at the th- last like three decades of your mm-hmm. life, could you ever have imagined when you started playing lucky that what would happen and where you would be today? No, no, not, not, not in the least. Um, no, I mean it again, you know, when I started, I was so young, I didn't know what I was getting into. Um, and I mean, I remember what, do you know what year GH is on now? Do you know how long the show turned 58, uh, last week? Wow. Cause I remember, either the 30th maybe or the 33rd or something. I remember, you know, these big landmarks as a young kid, mm-hmm. you know, and being on the show with John Berardino and, um, and seeing old clips of black and white, you know, when it was live, I think, and all that kind of stuff. It was just amazing. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, it honestly, I don't know. It blows my mind that it's been, gosh, that any kind of show can keep producing that kind of content day in and day out for nearly 60 years. is just mind blowing to me. Right. Um, it takes so much dedication and work from so many different people to make that happen. Um, and uh, yeah. Wow. And it, you know, a couple of years from now, it'll be, I'll be like half at the almost half mark. I guess it will. You will be. It'll be exactly half. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. It's incredible. Time flies. I mean, you know, my youngest is uh, almost the age I was when I started on GH. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy yeah. to think about. Yeah. When, when you had an 11-year-old, did you have a moment of thinking, wow, this is the age and I can't believe oh, yeah. what I was doing? Yeah. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. I mean, I mean, when my oldest first turned 11, I remember thinking, how in the world was I, was I you know, doing all those, I don't know, I don't know how young kids do it. And it's, um, you know, it, it's, uh, 
it's a difficult thing. Um, I'm very thankful to my parents. I mean, I obviously they uh, they gave a good foundation to me, and then I was just I was blessed enough to to get in the right circles because I know there's a lot of other young performers that for whatever reason they they're not in a great situation, but. Yeah, I, I've I've thought about that often, actually, with all three of my kids when they get about that age, you know. And I think, I think, could I could could how would I feel as a parent, you know, um, with that kind of responsibility uh, being on on the kids? So, um, yeah, I don't know, but you know, as you're growing up, as you know, it's you just you know what you know. It's your life, and you don't know anything different. Mm-hmm. People would often ask, um, you know when I was maybe first left the show in 99, they would say things like, you know, did you miss going to high school and going to prom and all these things? And it's kind of like, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, because this is just my life. Like I didn't go and then have it deprived from me. I just, I was doing something else, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Um, so you just, you just live and you just experience whatever your, your journey happens to be. And um, yeah, that's it. Well, we are so thankful that you shared it with us. This was such a great catch up. And oh, thank you um, so much. You know, we look Appreciate forward to it. seeing what's next, reading the book, and thank wishing you. you great success. And I'll see you thank when you. I'm in Ireland, whenever that yeah. happens. <laughs> Absolutely. Pick her up at the airport. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> you know, You'll love it. I just wanted to say it's really struck me as we've been talking that if you hadn't had the capabilities that you had at such a young age, the show couldn't have told the stories that they had with Lucky. Mm. So I really feel on some level indebted to your talent, to so many of the great stories that we got to watch play out that I know they would not have trusted to, to, uh, to just any young performer. Like they really were able to take advantage of what you brought. Well, thank you. That's very humbling and very kind of you to say. And, and, that's, you know, that's a blessing to hear. And as I said before, um, it's I, any, any amount of that is, is, is really the trust that, you know, Tony and Jeannie gave me as well. So I, I really appreciate that. Thank you. Well, thanks again. This was so great. Thanks, Thank Jonathan. You. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you to Jonathan Jackson for being our guest. If you like this podcast, please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Be sure to pick up a new issue on sale now and come back next week for another podcast.